Amen. You may be seated. Turn in your Bibles this evening to the book of Genesis and chapter 1. Genesis and chapter 1. Read together the entirety of the chapter. Well-known story of the beginning of the world. How God saw and spoke and acted for his own glory. Let's hear now God's holy word. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And let it be separate, separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants, yielding seed, fruit trees, bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants, yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening And there was morning the third day. And God said, let the lights, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. 
And God made the beast of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds, everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with, its, with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus far, God's word. Let's pray together. Father, we have heard these words many times, and yet we still come to your truth with awe and wonder. When we think of the greatness and the glory of your creative power, that you spoke and it was done, and it was done perfect. Lord, we thank you that you have blessed us with your scriptures so that we may know these things, so that we may know you, the living God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Help us this night as we gaze upon these truths, as we contemplate them in our souls, that we will be moved to greater worship and adoration of your eternal and everlasting glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you were visiting this church for the very first time, and I greeted you at the door, and I said, Hi, I'm Deckard. You would know very little about me, besides the fact that that's kind of an unusual name, and that's a whole another story, but we're not going there. If I said, Hi, I'm Deckard Stevens, you would know a little bit more about me, and you might even do like my neighbor did when I first introduced myself to them. They got in the car and Googled me to find out who I was and what I did. If I said, hi, I'm Pastor Deckard Stevens, you would have an even fuller picture of who I am and what I'm about. With each name or title that is grouped together, you learn more. Uh, 
Names, my friends, especially in the Bible, names are significant. They are often revelatory. That is, they reveal things about people or individuals that have that name. It's not like it is today. We, we had a couple in a, in a previous congregation that named their child because they saw a word on a billboard on the way to the hospital that they liked. But it used to be that names meant something. Adam called the first woman Eve because that meant mother of all living. Moses was given the name Moses because the name meant drawn out. And Pharaoh's daughter drew him out of the water and therefore named him Moses. Our Savior was given the name Jesus, which means Jehovah saves. Names mean something. And the same thing is true with the way the scriptures speak of God. The Bible uses many different names. And those different names communicate and mean different things. They're designed to impress upon us, to communicate to us different truths about who God is. The different names are there to help us know God better. And that's what I want us to do in this series on the names of God. We see an excellent illustration of this in the familiar words of Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2. Here, the psalmist uses four different names for God in one sentence. Now, he could have said, He who dwells in the secret place of God shall abide under the shadow of God. I will say of God, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. But that's not what he does. Instead, he uses four different distinct names. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, El Elyon, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, El Shaddai. I will say of the Lord, Jehovah, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God. My Elohim. And I will put my trust in him. Here, each one of these different names that the psalmist uses is designed to communicate to us something very specific and and revelatory about the being of God and cause us to love him and worship him and serve him. Now, over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at five specific names. I haven't definitely decided which five, but we'll definitely consider Elohim tonight, Jehovah, 
and then probably El Shaddai and perhaps uh, Jehovah Jireh or another of the combination names that are given. And then lastly, the name that is used in the New Testament, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, hopefully, each of these names are going to help us know God better, to see him in a fuller way, a more glorious way, when we see all the distinctives that he possesses in his being. The first name that we're going to consider, as you have there in your, your outline, is the name Elohim. And we don't have to look very far to find it because it's in the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. This name is used quite frequently. As a matter of fact, it's used in all but five verses in the first chapter. So of the 31 verses, all but five use this name over and over and over again. It's used 2,250 times in the Old Testament. That's a lot. That's the way this name is used. Four things that stand out or this, that this particular name is designed to communicate and to suggest to us. And the first thing is this, that Elohim, God, usually spelled with a capital G, sometimes with all three letters being in the capitals. But here, Elohim is the creator God. Now, this is something that probably every single individual in this room knows, right? This is not anything new. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. I couldn't remember exactly when we started the catechism classes for the the Sunday schools, but you children have heard this, have you not? In those first questions, are there more gods than one? There's but one only the living and true God. How many persons are there in the Godhead? There are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. We want to understand that Elohim is the creator God. Now, here's a question. We all know this, but when you think of God, when you bow to pray to him day after day, before you begin your day or at the close of the day or both and many times in between, when you think of God, when you pray to God, when you come here tonight and worship God in song and prayer and the hearing and reading of the word of God, how many times do you think of him 
as the creator, the one who spoke and brought this world into existence. My friends, have you ever considered this? That when the Holy Spirit began to inspire the Word of God to be written down, the first sentence, the very first truth that God wanted His people to know about Him was this, that He was the Creator in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. This God, this Elohim, is the one who made all things that exist. Now just just think about that. He created the heavens and the earth. He created everything, light, darkness, the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies. And now with the Webb telescope, we're seeing galaxies that are millions of light years away from our galaxy. God made it all. He fashioned it. He designed it. He brought it into existence with a word simply saying, let there be lights in the heavens. And he made it all. He made every creature. That means he made every animal. He made every bird. He made every bug. He made every creature, fish, persons, angels, and good and bad. God created them all, and he did so with a word. My friends, this name, Elohim, speaks and speaks loudly to show us the sheer magnitude of God's power and his majesty and his character and his glory. When you see this name, you ought to be thinking this is the creator God. And that power and majesty and glory far exceeds our ability to comprehend what we're even talking about. But it's not just an interesting fact. This knowledge of God as the creator will change you. It'll change the way you think of God. It'll change the way you pray to him. It will change the way you come and worship him. Now let's take just a moment and and think about how this knowledge of God as creator affected different individuals. The psalmist is, is a great one to consider, and you may remember the words of Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name 
in all the earth. The psalmist is, is moved. He is, he is humbled in the presence of God. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, Lord, what is man? What is this little speck of dust on the planet that you care about him? That you have visited him, that you have come near to him. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. Or later, in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. There's not a place on the globe, my friends. I cannot read the glory of God in the heavens. And therefore, Paul tells us in Romans 1, they are without excuse. Much later, after many years of of great spiritual lethargy and darkness, we have God beginning to move and bringing about revival in the days of Nehemiah. Listen to what happens as we, we hear the word of God being spoken and read in the days of Nehemiah. When, when the, the Levites and Jeshua and Cadmiel and, and all these other individuals exhort them in, in Nehemiah 9 and verse 5, they say, stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Why? What was it that so motivated them to praise God, to bless God, to honor God? It was this, you alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and everything in it, the seas and all that is in them. You preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. Or think even in glory. It's not just man that's impacted by this knowledge of God as the creator. In Revelation 4 and verse 11, the four and twenty elders fall down before him who sits upon the throne. And say, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? What makes him so worthy? Because you have created all things. And by your will they exist and were created. My friends, there's a lot we don't know about the cosmos. About galaxies way beyond ours. But one thing we can say for certain. And that is the more you Think rightly and biblically about God as the creator, the more you will worship him, the more you will adore him, the more your heart is going to be filled and your mouths are going to be filled with the praises of God. Psalm 100 comes to mind. The psalmist says, 
Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Why? Because he is God. And he made us. And not we ourselves. We are his people. And the sheep of his pasture. As we think of God. As we think of him as Elohim. The creator God. We're going to praise him. We're going to worship him. We're going to adore him in all his glory. Secondly, Elohim is the only God. Now, we do well to think of Elohim as the creator, but we cannot stop there. The name Elohim is used in a variety of passages of Scripture that directly teach us That that Elohim is the only God. Now, if if you've read your Bibles much at all, especially the, the Old Testament, you know this was a lesson that needed to be repeated frequently and often to the nation of Israel. When they were first brought up out of the land of Egypt, they had seen God's power in the plagues upon the Egyptians. They had seen a, a, a unspeakable display of that power and greatness in in the parting of the Red Sea. And yet it was not long before they were easily persuaded to bow down before a golden calf to exchange the glory of the invisible God for the image of a golden calf. And for a thousand years Until the days of Jesus, the nation of Israel was plagued by the worship of false gods, images of wood and stone, and and the, the gods of the nations around them. Jeroboam, after the division of the kingdom, set up calves, one in the north, one in the south, so the people wouldn't go to Judah to worship. Ahab worshipped Baals. The Greeks in the apostles' day had a multitude of gods, gods of the sun, gods of the sea, gods of all kinds of of different creatures. And, And this morning in Sunday school, I was thinking John was about to get all into my sermon here. And when Acts 17, when Paul goes to Athens and he finds a, an altar to the unknown God. They would worship a God that they didn't know anything about. Paul says, this, this one that you worship not knowing, I will declare him to you. And do you remember what he says? Do you remember how he describes that God? Listen to what he says. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it. He is Lord of heaven and earth. But he doesn't dwell at temples made by hands. Paul says, here is the true God. Here is the only God. That has been an issue throughout the ages. It was for the Apostle Paul in the second century. We know the martyr Polycarp 
refused. He was burned at the stake because he refused to say Caesar is God. The Romans, the Greeks, all the pagan nations around the people of Israel. And my friends, it hasn't changed much. Today, we face the same thing. People make gods out of money, out of sex, out of nature, out of pleasure. And some will go so far as to say, I am God. I'm one with the eternal essence. But listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 6 reads this. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and besides me there is no God. More specifically, besides me there is no Elohim. There's only one. And so our catechism says it well. There is one only, the living and true God. Again, in Isaiah 45 and verse 5, the Lord says, I am the Lord. There is no other. There is no God beside me. No Elohim beside me. And he explains what that means. When we say there's only one God, what, how does that translate? How does that affect us on a daily basis? Listen to what he says in verse 22. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am Elohim and there is no other. Brothers and sisters, young people, do you understand what the scripture is saying here? That this great, this mighty God of the Bible is the only God. There is no other God besides him. He alone is to be worshipped and he alone is to be served. But further, this true God is a God of grace. He is, as we heard this morning from Psalm 51, He is the Elohim of our salvation. This God calls men to look to Him in faith, to turn from their sins, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and be saved. And this is why Peter can say in Acts 4, there is salvation in no other. No other name given among men under heaven that we can be saved except the Son of God. God from the very beginning has called men to look to him and be saved. It is this God. It is this God and this God alone who forgives sin it is this God who brings salvation to the soul of men when they turn to him in faith and put their trust in him. Thirdly, Elohim is the triune God. This name Elohim is, 
It's a very interesting name because in this regard, it is a plural noun. And I couldn't think of any way to illustrate that. I, I might could say, hi, I'm Deckard's. It, there's more than one of me, and you might think I'm crazy. God says, I am Elohim, and it's plural. And, and while we would say this is, this is a, a plural noun, yet when it's used adjectives to describe it, they're singular. And so we hear of the living Elohim or the righteous Elohim. This name, of course, does not give us a full-blown doctrine of the Trinity. But it certainly lays the foundation for the further development and fuller development of that doctrine. Especially when we read, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. This plural God created the heavens and the earth. And in different places, that work of creation is ascribed to different members of the Trinity. So in Revelation 4, 11, it's clearly God the Father, he who sits upon the throne. The Lamb has not entered the picture yet. And he is to be worshipped because he created all things. But what does John tell us in the opening words of chapter 1 of his gospel? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And all things that were made were made by him. And that's clearly Christ. Colossians 1 adds that through Christ, the Father made all the worlds and things that are not just what we see, but things visible and invisible. Principalities, powers, dominions, authorities. Christ is ascribed to be also the creator of the worlds. So here we have this plurality, we have this unity, and yet plurality in Elohim. Well, lastly, Elohim is the personal covenanting God. And here, brethren, is perhaps one of the most instructive, one of the most comforting, one of the most life-altering elements of seeing God's being in this name, Elohim. Again and again and again. We're not going to go through all the passages, but multiple times, Elohim speaks and he uses this language. Elohim says, with you, I will establish my covenant. He used these words to Noah in verse, uh, uh, chapter 6 of Genesis in verse 18. I'm going to destroy the world, Noah, but with you, 
and with your sons and your sons' wives and your wife, I will establish my covenant. God steps into the darkness and the depravity And he reaches down, as it were, and takes hold of this one family to save them and to deliver them. My friends, do you understand that's what he's done for you? That in the midst of the darkness and the depravity and the wickedness of our land, he has reached down and he has taken you by the hand and led you into everlasting life through Jesus Christ. It says the same thing to Abraham in Genesis 17 and verse 7 when he tells Abraham, I will establish my covenant with you. 17.7, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be Elohim to you. God says, this is my name. This is what I'm like. This is who I am. I am a personal. I am a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. And I will covenant with you and with your children after you to be a God, to be Elohim to you and to your children. This mighty creator God, this true and living God, this God who who is triune, my friends, this God is not far away from us. He is not somewhere out there at a distance from us. He is near to us. He is personally involved in every minutia of your life. He has ordered every event that you have ever experienced or ever will experience. He has drawn near to us personally involved and more personally active in our salvation. He comes near and by means of his covenant promises redeems us for himself. You remember those promises? The very promises that he made to Abraham in Genesis 17, the writer of Hebrews chapter 8 picks that language up and he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days. That I will write my law upon their hearts. Has God done that for you? I will write my law upon their hearts. I will be a God unto them. And to their children after them. And their sins. And their iniquities. I will remember no more. This God. He is a God who regenerates. He is a God who redeems. He is a God who cares for us every day. He is a God who will bring us safely to glory.
to dwell with him from all eternity. It's no wonder that the psalmist can exclaim, as he does in Psalm 46, 1, this great God, Elohim, is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Can you say that tonight? This God, the God of the Bible, the God who's creator, the God who's triune, the God who's the only true and living God, the God who covenants with his people to redeem them. Can you say, this is my God? This is my Elohim. I pray you can. But if you can't, Look to him tonight and be saved. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you've done. Look to me, all you ends of the earth, and be saved. For I am Elohim, and there is no other. Let's pray together. Father, how can we praise you enough? How can we adore you enough? Help us this night to humble ourselves before you. You who created the ends of the earth. How and what is man that you are mindful of him? that you would even send your son into this world that we might have everlasting life. Oh, Lord, fill our hearts tonight with the wonder, the joy, the glory of worshiping the living God, Elohim. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.